0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church Aurora Colorado www.cbcaurora.com. Uh, John chapter 6 verse 68 uh, verse 68 sorry. John chapter 6 verse 68. Now the Bible in America study reports that 62% of the people in the communities surrounding our churches would like to read the Bible more. That's what they were saying here. 62% of the people in communities surrounding our churches would like to read the Bible more. Then they did another study that reports 87% of people in our churches want help understanding the Bible better. 87% of the people polled in churches now said they want to understand or they want help understanding the Bible better. Yet, in these studies, what they're finding is, the, is that Bible reading is actually waning. Recent studies demonstrate that in one generation, the number of occasional Bible readers have fallen by 20%. What they say that with the numbers is that it, it's equivalent to losing 700 people every single day. So 700 people in our world, their Bible reading is on the downslide every single day. They're saying that if this trend continues, then by 2040, two-thirds of Americans will have absolutely no meaningful connection with the Bible anymore. I kind of think that we're already seeing that. Uh, We're already seeing that, Um, there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians, profess to be Christians today, that really have no meaningful connection with the Bible. I mean, it's, it's funny. It, I mean, it's not funny, but funny how sometimes we can actually ask simple questions. That was one of the things I like to do as a young pastor. I stopped doing that because it, it, it got me in trouble a lot. But I would just randomly, if people profess to be Christian, I'd do like trivia, like Bible trivia and ask them questions, you know. You know about the, about certain things that happened in the Bible, and but what we found, what I was finding throughout all of the years, is that you know you know knowing who the name of the guy that was that you know did a very naughty thing to the uh, to Abraham's sons or or Jacob's sons, and you know and so you know can you tell me what his name was that caused uh, the the uh, the brothers to go to Shechem and kill everybody in there, you know. Those kinds of questions. Yeah, I get, I get that. But when you ask questions like, can you tell me who it was that was in the boat, got thrown in the water, and was swallowed by the big fish? And they say, Pinocchio. <laughs> you know, what would be worse if I, man, if I go, man, I didn't think you could get that? You know, that would be way worse. But, okay, anyway. <laughs> um. We're seeing that there is this disconnect that's starting to happen with Christians, people who profess to be Christians, and their connection with the Bible. And it's really interesting. I remember watching a video of a guy who was interviewing a girl who had just walked out of a megachurch and asked her some questions when it came to the Bible. And in the end, she was actually pretty good with the Bible. And so he says, so do you feel like the Bible is important for a Christian? And her response was, yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Do I think it's, it's like, my foundation? She says, no. Because really, the Bible is just a book that was written by men. And what's interesting is, is that this is common. It, it, it is it is absolutely 100% common. Uh, there was a, a church here in Colorado that was actually trying to steal me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I... Uh, I, I was talking to uh, the guy who was doing the hiring for this church and he says that it's, it, we really want you to come because we have this one guy that, uh, that we're looking at that everybody's really serious about bringing into our church um, but Shane, he just believes that the Bible is a bunch of legends and myths and uh, so we, we're having a hard time wanting to hire him. I'm like, uh, I can see why that would be the case. Uh, so, but I'm just saying. So, but there, I'm surely there's others, and he says you would be surprised how many pastors out there actually believe that now. What, what what's happening with that? What, what's going on with that? Why why is this happening? See, because the thing is, is that when you look at that, you look at the statistics that we're seeing. I sit back and I kind of think this is actually kind of ridiculous. Why? Because is not the Bible our source? I mean, I get the whole thing like, hey, you know what, Shane? It's, it, the Bible is telling us, but it's really Christ. I get that. But you would absolutely have no idea what we would have in Christ if it wasn't for the Bible. See, the thing is, is what we've got to understand is we are wasting our time trying to convince people in our world that God exists. All right, here we go. Are you ready? This is one of those sermons that gets me in trouble. We're wasting our times trying to convince people that God exists. Do you know why? Because that's not the issue. Uh, philosophers for years have been talking about this. The existence of something is not the issue. That's not the issue at all. I I believe unicorns exist. I do. What? Shane, you believe unicorns exist? Yeah, absolutely. Because when I open up children's fairy tale books, I see them. (laughs) But do you see where I'm getting at? Could you believe in unicorns and it be in your imagination? Absolutely. It could be. So people will grant all the time, hey, Shane, I will absolutely agree with you that God exists. The issue is not understanding that God exists. The issue is, what is God? What is he? That's the real issue. And that's the real problem. That's the thing we need. That's why we have the scriptures. The scriptures tells us who he is. The scriptures tells us what he is. The scripture tells us the position that he has. The scriptures tells us that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The scriptures is our source. And today we're wrestling with this whole ideology of, or this whole idea of this this thing that people think is an absolute myth now. This word called truth. I mean, I'm I'm watching, you know, the news the other day, and they're having a debate as to whether or not there is such a thing as truth. I, I mean, I can't believe we're actually down that road. But the issue is, is because the whole idea of truth has been so convoluted, because what we are trying to do is to find truth apart from the scriptures. And if we do that, then of course you're never going to find truth. I would agree with you. Truth might not then exist. Whoa, 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 Shane, what do you mean by that? I mean, I'll tell you, there's, do you realize that today we are having a problem even coming up with the definition of truth? Sure, you can look in, in the, the, the dictionary and you can find, you can Wikipedia and you can find a definition of truth. But in reality, there is so much debate, there is so much conflict when it comes to even defining What this word truth really is, people will say, it's that which corresponds to reality. Some people will say truth is that thing that correlates to reality. We're talking about possible world theories, category theories, Russell's theory of properties, and on and on and on we go because we just cannot come to a clear definition of truth. So, you know, for those of you that know, my undergrad studies was in philosophy And so I was already a Christian. Uh, I was already a Christian and, you know, pretty steeped into my theology and understanding of Scripture and all of this stuff. And so, you know, when people come, it's my turn, right? You know, people are like, so do you take, talking to the students, do you take the the correlation? Or do, do you take the correspondence theory or possible world theory and all this stuff? And here's Shane. Shane's turn, and everyone's like, oh, here we go. There's going to be something about God and it was even worse for them. Shane, how do you define truth? Do you know what my definition was? Truth is the 66 books of the Bible. Sure enough. Oh. There they go. Shane, can you not It's always the Bible. It's always the Bible. You always got to go to a Bible. Every single time we talk about something, you always got to bust out a scripture. Can't you give an answer to life's questions without using the Bible? And I said, absolutely not. This isn't actually in my sermon, but I'm going to tell you the story. It's really funny. So we're having a, an online forum debate. And they picked me to be the guy that defends, uh, uh, defends, defends, uh, no, that is against abortion. <laughs> it's about abortion, right? I got twisted there for a minute. So it's a debate about abortion. And we're talking about abortion, and I'm taking the side that, you know, is saying that abortion is a sin. Abortion is wrong, obviously, right? So we're going there, and, and finally, through this debate, the individual said, Shane, you constantly quote scripture. It, I mean, it's like that's your, like your whole world view. This is what I want you to do. I want you to tell me that abortion is a sin and you can't use the Bible. And I said, okay, you know what? Normally, I would be a smart like, and I would just say, no, you can't do that. But I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. But I want you to do the same thing for me. Okay, fine. I said, I want you to tell me that abortion is right and the only thing you can use is the Bible. <laughs> well, that, well, that's not fair. I said, exactly. Because me not using the Bible is using your worldview, your ideas, your tools, your references, all of those things. You want me to use those things. Well, fine, then use mine. See, this is, this is the thing when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to where we are, when it comes to the scriptures. Why is there this waning ideal or this waning thing that's happening, right? We define truth as being scripture. The Bible is our source of truth. And it's amazing to me that as we go to this, we see that the statistics show a failure A failure within the church. Now, here's the thing that I, this is the thing that I want to say, and this is where I need you guys to buckle in your seatbelt, and I just need you all to be patient with me, okay? Because you're going to want to in this sermon today, I'll tell you, I'll just be honest right now, you are going to want to shut your ears. You are not going to want to hear this, okay? And I'm telling Janine this and my son this, and I'm asking my family to pray for me on this, okay? Because I could find myself without a church at the end of this, but here's the thing, and this is what, this is what I mean. I, I, I've said from day one, right? I was always going to be honest with you and I was gonna tell the truth. No matter whether I thought you would like it or not, I was gonna be honest and I was gonna tell you the truth. Here's the truth. This is what we are struggling with in the church. This is what we're struggling with. We are having a failure to distinguish what I call the belief, the belief and want to believe dynamic. What does that mean? It means we say that we believe something, but in reality, we don't actually believe it. We want to believe it. This is very important that we get this because this is where a lot of the deception lies within us, within our hearts. And and I'm not going to lie. I'm in the same boat as everybody else. I'm not standing up here saying that I'm any different. I struggle with this all the time. Understanding the difference between something that you really believe And something that you just want to believe. So much about Christianity will fall into this category. We want to believe stuff. Because in a lot of ways we know we have to believe it. i got to believe that. So I want to believe that. But do you really believe it? I don't know. But in reality we simply don't. We're hoping that we actually believe these things. In reality, we think we believe these things, but in reality, all it is, is we want to believe it. Therefore, we're trying to convince ourselves that we actually believe it. Sure, we know it, we like it, but do we actually believe it? This family is the contributing factor. This is the factor as to why we're struggling with this, okay? while we're struggling with this this dynamic that we're having. It's a contributing factor to the waning respect and the reading of the scriptures that we have by Christians today. We don't really believe that the Bible is the only source. We believe that the Bible is important, but we don't believe that the Bible is the only source. It's not the only way for us to get truth anymore. One of my friends was literally... This guy was literally transferred in his company. It was so funny. He was literally transferred to his, in his company all to different companies all throughout what we would call the Bible Belt. It was the funniest thing. He never got transferred to New York, never went to California. He was always right there in the Bible Belt. It was just constantly, boom, 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 transferred. It was just, I'm like, wow, you look at the map. It's just like, dude, Just like you're, you're on this path starting from Florida on this path all the way and you're just cutting right through the Bible Belt. And the thing, the thing that's funny, he would constantly tell me that they cannot find a church that preaches the Bible anymore. The Bible Belt family now we're talking about. He says, we've gone, me and my wife, we have gone to churches. We have gone to churches. And man, we, we just cannot find a church that actually preaches the Bible anymore. In modern evangelicalism, spirit, spiritual formation now is not shaped by the scriptures I can prove that to you. Go to a Christian bookstore. It's not shaped, discipleship, it's not shaped by scripture anymore. Theology is not based on scripture anymore. Christian worldview is no longer seen through the lens of scripture anymore. How can this be? I mean, if we really believe that the Bible was the word of God, we wouldn't do this stuff, right? Right? If you really believe that the Bible was the word of God, why would you want to hear anything else? If we really believe that the scriptures were the very breath of God, we would not do this. If we really believe that the promises of scriptures was truly yes and amen, would scriptures really be collecting dust on our coffee table? Really, would it be? Theologians today assert that the Bible is simply a book written by men full of myths and legends. Well, if that's what we believe, I can understand it. Ah, oh, but maybe, maybe we do believe it. But we like the life coaching and the psychological methodology. Do you know why we like life coaching You know why we like that psychological methodology that you get from pulpits in America? I mean, come on. let us We know this already, guys. Come on. We've heard it. You guys hear it on the radio constantly. You know what I'm talking about here. You know why we like the life coaching and the psychological methodologies and sermons? Do you know why we like them? Because these are principles that we can apply to our lives to help us accomplish our purpose. Do you realize that? We all have a purpose. We are all looking at this purpose. We all want to be guided in this purpose. We need guidance in this purpose, and we love promises that God will help us accomplish our purposes. Do you know why we don't like Scripture? Because Scripture doesn't help us accomplish our purposes. Scripture accomplishes His purposes. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about me. I want to hear about how I can be successful. I want to hear about how I can get the things that I need. No, the Bible tells us about how Christ is successful and how God will accomplish his glorious will. That's why scriptures accomplish his purposes. And we don't like that because Christianity works today because it has principles used to show that God will help me accomplish all that I desire in life. But the Bible teaches us that as Christians, we no longer live for our purpose. We live for God's glory and God's purpose always. Did you forget, Christian, that we died to ourselves? It's no longer I, but Christ living within me. Did we we forget, Christians, that the first thing we needed to do to become Christ's disciples was to deny ourselves? Did we forget, Christian, today that we're supposed to take up our cross and follow Christ every single day? Did we forget that? If it's not unbelief, then it's sin. It's not that we don't believe it. We just don't want to follow it. Yet the Bible continues to be the source. Yet the Bible continues to be our light. The Bible continues to speak. Yet the Bible continues to accomplish his will. Yet the Bible continues to increase our faith. That is why the great Charles Spurgeon said this, A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. We continue in our church series today what we do, and why we do it. Shane, why is the Bible our lens for worldview? John chapter 6, verse 68. John chapter 6, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The grass withers, the flower fades, but our The word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Bible. We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. And I pray that it continues to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to look at today is a little bit more on the believe and want to believe dynamic, making clear the difference between actually believing and wanting to believe something. The second thing we're going to see is how no other method but the scriptures actually can be the source of truth. And the last thing we're going to see is the scriptures outline for us our greatest problem, our greatest weakness, and it outlines for us our greatest hope that we find in the gospel. So the thesis statement today is this. Though sin and the pattern of this world and the continued pressure of current culture may cloud Our worldview blurring our biblical vision, it is the truth of scripture and the power of the spirit that will increase our faith to believe, to rest, and to hope in the gift of grace given to us by Christ the Lord. So point number one, our faith distinctions. It's super important today that we make sure that we look at this honestly and soberly and ask ourselves whether we really believe something or whether we just want to believe it. See, I am of the opinion that we do have a crisis concerning faith today. I asked the question, what do you think our world would be like if we all actually believed what the Bible had to say? Think about that. What do you think our world would look like if we all actually believed what the Bible had to say? What if we really believed that the promises that God gave us In the scriptures were truly yes and amen. I remember I was counseling a young man regarding the problems that he was having in life. And now he was having a crisis. And I kept telling him, the reality is the reason why you're having a problem today is because you have no faith in God's word. You just don't believe. And he kept telling me with the tone of offense that he absolutely believed. He was just he was really offended that I was telling him that he didn't really believe. And really offended. He's like, "No, no, no, I absolutely believe." You see what I'm saying? It's like in our culture today, it's like if I accuse you of not believing, you get mad at me. <laughs> you all get mad. You all get frustrated. If I say, "Hey, I just think that you're just really have no faith in this area." No, 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 Shay. I absolutely believe. Do you? You know, you ever, you ever have somebody say that to you? They cock their head and they go, do you? Do you really have faith? And after much struggle and me applying the three T's of genuine faith, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, and applying that in the situation, he finally admitted with tears that he really didn't believe. Something so important here and so desired because of the many implications of faith that it's really hard for us to admit today that we are faithless. Unbelief is just one of those things that's just raging through the church in evangelicalism today. Having to be honest with ourselves. The scriptures declare it. God knows it. Christ looked at us and said, O ye of little faith. All we gotta do is look at the world and look at how professing Christians in our world, look at how they act, what they're saying, how they behave, what they're doing with circumstances we have in our world today. If there was one thing that I think that was a blessing when it came to this COVID epidemic was actually seeing the true colors of people come out. It was phenomenal to me. All my friends and everyone who professed to be Christians, man, this crisis hit, and all of a sudden I saw some of the most ungodly, unchristian behaviors coming out of people who professed to be Christians. It was absolutely mind-boggling to me, family. Oh, ye of little faith. how Look at how shamefully we act and how we behave in the realm of social order today. Do you think that we really believe that Jesus is alive and sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us? Look at how we shamefully act when we face trials and difficulties in our lives. Look at how we act and ask yourself the question, do you think we really believe that the testing of our faith develops perseverance and that faith perseverance must finish its work so that we can be mature, complete, and not lacking in anything? Think of how shamefully we act when we worry and we stress about our day-to-day living, do you think we actually believe that he will provide our needs according to his riches and glory and that his eye is on the sparrow? Seriously. Do we really today, think about culture today, think about things that we know today, think about the church today, ask yourself the question, do we really believe That when the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly will have a lasting foundation. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. Do we really believe that riches won't help on the day of judgment? But right living can save you from death. That the godly are rescued from trouble. And it falls on the wicked instead. That godly people find life and evil people find death. Do we really believe that the Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but delights in those with integrity? Do we really believe that pride leads to conflict? Those who take advice are wise. Do we really believe that wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears? And wealth from hard work rose over time. Do we believe that people who despise advice are asking for trouble? Those who respect the command will succeed. Do we really, really believe that there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death? Do we believe that backsliders get what they deserve? Good people receive their reward. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. Do we believe that the prudent carefully consider their steps? Do we really believe that godliness godliness makes a nation great? But sin is a disgrace to any people. Do we believe that gentle words are a tree of life, that a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit? Do we really believe that it's better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner inner turmoil? Do we really believe that it's better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to actually conquer a city? Do we really believe that unfriendly people care only about themselves and they lash out at common sense? Do we believe that people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord? Do we really believe that you can make plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail? Do we really believe these things? Look at how we're acting in culture today. Look at how the church is responding to our culture today. If we really believed it, don't you think that things might be a little bit different? And we look at the fruits of the church as a whole today. Why in the world would we think that we actually believed it? Think about that. Actually believe it. Because the godly, if you are a Christian today, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, if you are covered by the blood of Christ, that everything I just said to you, that doesn't matter what happens in our world today, you're going to be okay. And instead of lashing out in hate and in anger, putting people down, saying these awful, horrible things, we should be praying that God opens their hearts and their minds that they will believe and not have to suffer wrath for eternity. But Shane, okay, you got me a little bit freaked out right now. (laughs) Some of you may be saying that, Shane, you got me a little scared. Most of us believe that we believe. But Shane, how do we know that we don't? This is why I can say this with confidence. How do we know when we don't? The Bible gives us what I refer to as the three T's. It was really funny, I thought. Three T was kind of cool to call this stuff. You guys remember, any of you Gen Xers remember that group, Michael Jackson's uh, nephews? They called themselves Three T. You guys don't, you guys don't, well, there's, I'm looking to see if there's Gen Xers here. Maybe it's why. Uh, yeah, okay, Okay. so this, this won't matter. This won't mean anything, okay. But every time I say 3T, if you're, if you're a Gen Xer and you knew this stuff, you'd be thinking, you know, I would do anything for you. You know, anyway. 3Ts. Th- These are the three tests. If you're wondering and you're saying, hey, Shane, you know what? I'm not sure. How do I know? Three tests you can do. Really simple. Number one, do you see? the fruit of the spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You see that in your life? If you don't see that in your life, then you should be concerned. If you don't see that in your life, you should be alarmed. The next test, (laughs) deeds. Deeds. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food, no clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a nice day, stay warm, (laughs) eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. In other words, it's not there. So if you don't see the fruits of the Spirit, now think about the church, our culture today, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Are we seeing that? Here's the other thing. The good things that we do for others. Works, deeds, things that are happening, fruits, things that we're doing. Is the world a better place because we're here? If there are no good deeds, if there are no fruit, if there is no action, then there is no faith. We are saved by faith alone. But how do we know we have faith? Because of the things that we do. This is how we know. So if you don't see the fruits of the Spirit working in your life or deeds in accordance to the commands of Christ, if Christ is telling you to do something and you're like, nah, your whole life is nah, I just do things my way. I'm going to say things my way. I'm going to believe things the way I want to believe. I'm going to do all of these types of things. Then we should be concerned. Today you should be alarmed. Maybe it's because we want to believe, but we don't really believe. And here is, uh, oh, before we get there, if we're not loving our neighbor, if we're not loving our enemy, if we are not doing good for others as we want done for us, if we're not walking in step with the truth of the gospel, if we're not living our lives worthy of the calling, if we are not denying ourselves and taking up our crosses, if we are fostering friendship with the world, if we are loving our lives even unto death, we should be concerned. You should be alarmed. Again, either we don't believe or we won't believe. And here it is, something else to signal unbelief and rebellion. It, this is the big one. This is, this is where you find out what you really believe. It's called trials and tribulations. This is how you know. This is, this is the big one. Count James chapter 1, verse 2, verse 3. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, steadfastness, patience. It's like the saying goes, it's super easy to be an angel as long as nobody ruffles your feathers. Seriously, it is super easy to be a Christian. Walk in, dressed all nice, smile on your face. Bible that Norberto made for me got your monster drink your Starbucks bless you brother sister you doing okay today bless you sit down isn't this a lovely day I hope they sing good worship songs today but you know what? Even if they don't, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, sit there listening to the sermon, smiling the whole time. Pastor Shane is preaching. Not just smiling. You know, you're nodding. You know, you're letting me know that you're with me. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Yep, brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Pastor, right here. Amen, amen, yeah, yeah. Super easy to do that, knowing that when you walk out of the church, pull out your keys to your brand new car, bleep, bleep. actually it doesn't do that anymore, door is, un- is unlocked for whatever it is they do now, walk into your brand new car, driving to your brand new house, walking in to, you know, the brand new furniture with the brand new dog coming up to greet you, you know, Just getting on the phone really quick, checking your stocks. Wow, I think we can retire early today. You know, got a text message, your in-laws died in a plane crash. Oh, life is good. I mean, you know, just kidding. Come on. It's so easy for us to walk through life. Not being faced by nothing as long as everything is going great for you. Right? And then one day, it all comes crashing down. One day, it's snowing. You wreck your brand new car. Your house gets caught up in a tornado. Jesus resurrects your in laws. And then you come to church, if you come to church. That's a different story now, isn't it? (laughs) I know it was getting a little heavy. I thought I'd lighten it up a little. It is super easy to be an angel as long as nothing ruffles your feathers. It's easy to say we believe. It's easy to believe that we believe when we don't believe when life is going great. It's super hard to pretend when life turns upside down, isn't it? It's super hard to fake it, to make it, when there is so much pain in your life. This is where you get the, you know what, Shane? Man, forget it. I give up. I thought becoming a Christian was going to make my life better. It's made it worse. I'm done. This is where we get it. This is where we get it. And, and more these days, I, I remember having a conversation with a woman who has professed to be a Christian for years was doing really well in her career, absolutely had something fall apart and she just had the most difficult time trying to find another job. And I'm just saying, you know what? These are trials. These things are testing what it is that you actually believe. You know, this is what's going to happen. If you continue to go down this road of doubting God's word, you are going to end up giving up and walking away from God. And you know what she told me? You know what? Shane, it's too late. I've already done that. We're talking about a career here. Not a career that's over, a career that might just be on hold. And that was enough to show what? That she doesn't believe. And she would so easily, because of that, walk away from God? Come on. And the whole time, for the last 10 years, you're talking about how God is my source. God is my treasure. Singing, Jesus, you are more precious than silver. You're more precious than gold. You are more beautiful than diamonds. But if you don't give me another job, then forget it. Come on. This is where it happens. The trials and tribulations, the suffering comes, hits you. Woo! Life turns upside down. And it's, I can't take it anymore. This is too much. I can't do this. You don't understand. It hurts too much. You don't understand. God gave up on me. You don't understand. God lied to me. God left me. If we really believed... If we really believed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, we really believed that we actually denied ourselves, take up, taking up our cross and following after him. If we really believe that we are dead but living for Christ, if we really believed that, our response would be repenting of our unbelief and feeling sorrow for our rebellion and asking the Lord to increase our faith instead of walking away from him. If we walk away from Christ when there are circumstances, when there's tribulation, when there's sufferings, it's not because we don't believe that Jesus was our Lord. We believe that Jesus was our sugar daddy who is not giving sugar anymore. It's just, it's funny. When it comes to Christianity, it's like we treat our Lord as if, number one, if he's some kind of vending machine, you know, you put in the right coins. Booting a straight dollar bill, and that's all good. He'll give you what you want. Or we treat God like our employer, right? As long as I'm doing a good job, he's gonna give me a paycheck. I've been doing a good job, he's not giving me a paycheck. He's not a pretty he's not a very good employer. And then we get disappointed and we walk away. What do we really believe? Because if we really believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, if we believe that he was the Alpha and the Omega, the things that we're singing, praises to him every single day, you are more worthy. We will cast our crowns at your feet. We're going to do all this stuff because you are, are better than life. You are more important. What was that song I'm listening, I was listening to the other day? You are more important than oxygen. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a, it was, it was, it had a catchy tune to it. Or I love you more, I need you more than oxygen or something like that. We sing these things, but then a situation happens in our life that we don't like, that we think is unfair, and instead of bowing down to the Lord, saying, blessed be the name of the Lord, we walk away, walk away. Do we really believe today, or do we just want to believe because we know we need to believe to get what we want to believe? Or do we really believe it's true? Maybe we do believe it's true. But in sin, but in sin, we don't like that it's true. So we don't do it, and we walk away from it anyway. Do we not believe that he is who he says he is? Point number two, real quick. The Bible is our very definition of truth. The Bible is. So the thing is, is like we have all the promises. It's all there. This is amazing. When you read the Bible and you actually believe these things are true, it's pretty amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Like I said, the Bible is the definition of our truth. There is nothing else. There is nothing. I'm telling you right now, family, there is nothing else in this world that we can stand on. Many people have tried. We tried rationalism. That failed. We even tried irrationalism. We see that really failed. We tried evidentialism and that failed. And today, we're supposed to trust science? Come on. Even in the church today, we trust science over scripture. And I'm not talking about just COVID stuff. I'm not talking about just the COVID, oh, trust the science. No, I'm I'm talking about the COVID stuff. This has been going on for a while. And in the end, We believe that the Bible is true because we believe that it does not oppose our scientific discoveries. And people will say, we can prove all these things to be true through the scientific method, but family, science fails. And if science fails, if we put our Bible and rest it upon science, the Bible is going to fail. Science fails all the time. Come on. We trust it. We stake our lives on it. We believe it. This is the way we go. This is the direction we go. We want to just stand on science. Now, I'm not saying that science is bad. I'm not saying that science is bad. But can somebody figure out? I mean, seriously, is eggs good for us or not? I mean, seriously, we're trying to use science to discover the big mysteries and complexities of the universe and we can't decide whether eggs are good for us or not. I mean, it's, just, it's not going to shock me if we find out next week that salad is bad for you. <laughs> and you know what I'm actually finding is that dressing you slapping on that stuff is what's making it just as bad as a hamburger now. So anyway, it's just you know, all, the, all the science, the things that we've done, you know, and it's just like we're supposed to trust science? We're supposed to stand on these types of things? It's, 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 um, it's absolutely amazing how much we want to trust something that's just so, uh, it's just leery. We just don't really know. You know what I'm saying? It's just like we're out there spending all these millions and millions of dollars to try to discover things that are, uh, that are in, uh, out in the universe. And now we're talking as if we're experts when it comes to understanding the universe, we don't even know creatures. We're discovering everyday creatures that we never knew existed in our rivers. Not in the, you guys watch the river monsters yeah. TV show? Yeah. I mean, what did he say? We are pulling stuff out of the rivers that we never knew existed. We don't even know what's in our rivers. And we're talking like we're experts when it comes to the universe. There's limitations when it comes to science, family. We're putting our trust in these things called science, but we just don't know, and we just don't know for sure. So how can we actually say that these are truths that override the truths that we have in Scripture? Why are we doing this? You know, Leonardo da Vinci used to say all the time, the thing with science, what we need to do is we need to do an experiment, and then we need to do the experiment again and then we need to do the experiment again, and we need to check our data, we need to check our data, do the experimentation again until we actually come to the conclusive conclusions. The question that people have asked over and over and over again, can you do the same experiment twice? (laughs) This is what Leonardo da Vinci says, I'm not, I hate Hey, far be it for me to disagree with that dude. That was one smart dude. But can you do the same experiment again? Hmm. Think about that. One philosopher said this. Can you step in the same river twice? Can you step in the same Mississippi River twice? Right? That poses a problem. Right? Because the water that you stepped in the first time, where is that water now? The dirt and the rocks that came up when you pulled your leg out, are you stepping on the same ones again? No, where are they? Can we do the same experiment twice? I used to say this when it comes to hurricane hurricanes in Hawaii. Can we collect the data of a same hurricane twice? Science, it fails. Science struggles. Science has its problems. Do you you know what science does? This one philosopher, uh, uh, Popper, comes up with this illustration I thought was brilliant, was genius. Um, I'm, I'm altering it a little bit just to make it a little bit more modern. But let's just say that it's raining. One day you walk out, it's raining. You look out and you go, wow, it's raining. Oh, you know what happens when it rains? The streets get wet. Isn't that amazing? This is what science does. Isn't that amazing? It rains, the streets get wet. Okay, so if it rains, the streets get wet. Write that down. So next couple days, I walk out of my house. It's not raining, but I look at the ground, and the streets are wet. Oh, the streets are wet. It must have rained. This is what science does. Let me ask you the question. Does it need to rain for the streets to get wet? Now, this is Colorado, right? you got those machines that come by and sweep it. (laughs) Right? That guy might have just came right across your house, made the street wet. So now I'm telling everybody that it rained today. Well, Shane, how do you know that it rained today? Because my streets were wet. And we're going, oh, yeah, that's right, because that's what happens. Oh, okay, so we're over there telling everybody. Now we told the whole world that it rained today because the streets were wet. It doesn't need to be that. There's other reasons. There's other things. Things that we just don't know. Many people will say that science is the prime authority in our culture today. It's like the Bible has got to be proven. We feel like that it must be proven, and it must be proven by scientific standards. Even we as Christians continue to provide evidences that demands the verdict. And cases for Christ and all of these things using scientific proof, history, rationalistic ideologies to try to prove the Bible's authenticity. But the Bible does not need to be proven. It doesn't. To prove the authenticity of the Bible by using science is to subject the very Word of God to the authority of science. And that is to never, ever, ever be the case. And I'll tell people flat out hey, Shane. science has discovered this and this has proven that the Bible is wrong. The Bible was wrong about this. Science has proven that this is true. You know what my response is? Science is wrong. You, You see what I'm saying? Whoa, that's bold, Shane. Yeah, yeah. Science is wrong. And all throughout history, people have been doing this. Scientists have been doing this. And every single time, the Bible wins, science loses every single time. So much so that, oh, well, we got to come up with, uh, you know, the transitional forms for evolution to prove evolution. They can't do it. Did you know that there are some, you've heard this before, stories? That there were some scientists that actually fabricated and created, made transitional forms, buried it, discovered it, come out and then find out later that it was, it was fake. We want the Bible to be proven wrong by science so badly that we're even, even willing to stoop to that level. Why do we do that? To prove that the Bible is the word of God is like trying to prove that you had a dream You ever ever said this? Like Frank comes up to me one day and says, hey, Pastor Shane, man, I had a dream last night that I was sitting in the sands of Malibu eating a Subway sandwich with extra jalapenos. That sounds good, huh? What would you guys think if I looked at Frank and I said, I don't believe you. You need to prove it. How are, they, how are you supposed to do that? How, where are we going to do that? If the Bible is our source and the Bible is our foundation, then it has to be our foundation. Jane, prove to me. You can't, and you know what? I won't. The Bible is my foundation, and what all things are to be judged, I will not subject the very word of God to anything. Nothing by the will or effort of man can ever be put in the place of the very word of God. The scriptures has been and always will be the truth. Romans chapter three, verse four. Romans three, four. By no means, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. So let me ask you a question. Man, Shane, everything that you said, that's pretty bold, man. You're going against the whole scientific discovery, all this kind of stuff. Man, you're going against everything I said about watching in the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, all that stuff. You're trying to tell me that the Bible is, is over all of that stuff. That's bold. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you really think that the Bible is the Word of God? Then if you do, then that's not even a question. Of course, then. It's above the Discovery Channel. Of course, then, it's above every PhD, every scholar, every brilliant mind that has ever lived. Of course, if it's the Word of God, it is above all of that stuff. We'll always be above that, and I will never, ever subject it to anything like that. The Bible is our source of truth, and it is enough. It is all we need. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not halfway complete not almost complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you ever sat down to do a truth study, you would see that all methods to bring us to the point of possibility and the probability is all that we can do. But it's not truth. Can we ever say with certainty that all swans were white? That's a challenge that was given. Hey, let me ask you a question. Is all swans white? Well, in order to figure that out, we would have to see and check every single swan around the world. I I couldn't do that. No, no, no. You don't have to check all the swans. It's not just checking every swan that lives around the world. You would have to have seen all the swans that have ever lived. And you would need to see all the swans that will ever live. Well, if that's the case, Shane, then nobody is ever going to know truth. Yes, this is why methods and intellect of man cannot be a truth standard at all. If it were left just to us, we could never know what is true because in order for us to know what is true, we would have to know everything. But did you know that there is another way we could know truth? We would have to know everything. Oh, shame. Well, then we can't ever know truth. But did you know there's another way? It's a secret. It's a secret. I'm going to whisper it. What if somebody who knows everything... Tells us. Hmm. Did you you get that? Okay, maybe I should say it louder. What if somebody who knows everything tells us what's true? Wow. Do you know that I, I know of a book that's full of that? Just in case... Just in case, I'm going to share it with you. It's called the Bible. Absolutely amazing. This is why we want our worldview to be seen through the lens and understanding of what is revealed to us in the scriptures. Because I'm going to tell you right now, yes, there are things that are difficult about being a Christian, There are things that's difficult in the scriptures, things that are hard. But family, 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 where else are you going to go? The disciples had a very difficult time. (laughs) The disciples had a difficult time with this. And they said, where else will we go? So today you might say, hey, Shane, you know what? That's me, man. I'm weak in faith today. You you busted me, man. I really don't believe a lot of stuff that I say I believe. What can I do? When we are weak in faith, what can we do? You know what's really interesting about that? The Bible tells us what we can do when we're weak in faith. You know what the Bible tells us to do? The Bible tells us to go to the word. Romans chapter 7 or 10 verse 17. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. So faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Primetime news broadcasters on CNN. Fox News. No. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the latest and greatest podcasts that are out. No. Faith comes by hearing sermons from super awesome preachers. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We go to the word, the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, the reading of the word, the meditating on the word of God. We pray to the Lord Jesus to increase our faith. Luke chapter 17, verse five. Luke seventeen five. the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Again, we go to the word of the Lord. Our worldview must be a biblical one. If we believe something is wrong, we believe that it's wrong because the Bible says it's wrong. If we believe that something is right, we believe that it's right because the Bible says that it's right. Our hope must be from the Scriptures. Our response must be from the Scriptures. Our guide must be from the Scriptures. Our purpose must be from the Scriptures because it accomplishes His purpose and the Lord guarantees it. In Isaiah chapter fifty-five, eleven, Isaiah fifty-five, eleven, family, today do not let this Scripture go by without letting it penetrate your heart. God says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit it will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You know what that means? That means God guarantees his word. Where else are you gonna go? And if we believe that all that's in the Bible is true, then do you know we have a huge problem? We got a huge issue. Because the Bible, our source of truth, tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us there's no one righteous, no, not one. There is not a person on earth who always does good and never sins. We are by nature children of wrath. And because of this, we have a huge problem. Do you know what the problem is? It's called the wrath of God. We're worried about gas prices. We're worried about inflation. We're worried about our next-door neighbor. We're worried about our in-laws. Why am I always bringing up my in-laws? We're worried about all these things as being our big problems in life. Our problem is called the wrath of God. We are destined for destruction. The judgment of God is real, and it's coming. The Bible says that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The Bible says that hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says hell is eternal destruction. The Bible gives us another problem. The Bible also points to our greatest weakness. Unbelief it is unbelief that brings the judgment of God down upon us. When Jesus says, oh ye of little faith, that's a big, big deal. That's something God does not tolerate. Man, if we actually had faith, did you know that we could move mountains? I don't know the last time I ever heard of a mountain that actually moved. Not only are we corrupted with sin, but we live a life in God an ungodly unbelief. And our unbelief incurs the wrath of God. Yeah, it's pretty serious. So the thing that we're saying is our only source of truth is giving us our biggest problem, which is the wrath of God. It's also telling us our biggest, our biggest weakness. It's unbelief. But did you know that this Bible that we say is true, this Bible that we say is inspired of God, this Bible that we say is the Word of God, this Bible says that there's hope, and the Bible makes it very clear there is hope for us today. It's called the gospel of Jesus. That Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Do you know that the Bible says that he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That if today you confess your sins He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that the promises continue? The Bible also says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is here, and we get this message from the source of all truth. Family, there's no other way. It is a life, a salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone, all based on the authority of the scriptures alone. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.